0: is a, a powerful story of of what's happening, and we see we see two very different men uh, in this this story, right? We see Judas and we see Peter. Um, before I begin, I just want to take a moment and pray for for us and, and for the sermon and, and everything else. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we we again come before you, and Lord, I pray that um, you would open our hearts uh, to your word. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would use me uh, to um, speak the truth, Father, that people would not look at me, but they would look to you. Uh, Lord, it's only because of you uh, that any of us can meet here today. And, Lord, I pray that as we study your word uh, and we study and look at, at what you uh, have done for us, Lord, that we would be uh, convicted, really convicted of our sin, Lord, uh, and that we would look to you uh, for forgiveness and grace. God, I, I pray that you would also protect our, our minds uh, this morning as we focus our attention on you. May you protect us from all the outside worldly uh, things, the distractions. Uh, Lord, help us to to really engage uh, with you this morning and and continue that engagement uh, throughout the day. God, we thank you uh, also um, for our children that are here this morning. And I pray that you would speak to their hearts as well. Uh, It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So, unfortunately, I've, I've been out of town for a little bit. In fact, I, I've, I feel like I've not seen you guys for a long time, and, and I think that's the truth. It's been, I don't know, almost two months now, maybe. Uh, I've really missed uh, being here at Vintage Grace. And uh, so, this, I've kind of missed uh, some of the, the sermons leading up uh, to this point, and uh, I confess uh, I haven't gone back and listened to the sermons online, uh, but uh, I encourage all of us to do that. Um, so when we look at this this passage here, uh, we, we see uh, that uh, Jesus tells his disciples. So in this chapter, earlier in the chapter, right, coming up to this point, we see that Jesus tells his disciples that somebody is going to betray him. And he also tells Peter that Peter will, in fact, deny him three times. Uh, and, and now we pick up the story where, where this is coming to pass, what Jesus has described and told them, what's going to happen. This is, this is happening. Uh, Judas comes with a bunch of soldiers and temple guards at the garden and uh, arrests uh, uh, Jesus. Uh, Peter uh, was witness uh, to all of this, right? Right? Uh, Peter um, was witness not only uh, to the arrest of Jesus, but Peter has been a witness to, to Christ's divine uh, lordship. Uh, Peter uh, saw uh, Jesus and heard Jesus refer in verse 53 uh, that he, he refers to his father in heaven. And he also refers that uh, he has command over the angels Right? And this shows uh, that Jesus is, is all-powerful. In verse 56, uh, Peter hears Jesus refer to um, the fulfilling of Scripture, uh, which shows Jesus' divine sovereignty. And in verse 64, uh, Peter also uh, hears Jesus say that he's the Christ, the Son of God, uh, and that he, will be, that he will go on uh, to be seated at the right hand of power, uh, coming to judge the world. And so we see today two two very different people, right? We see one, we see Judas, uh, who, who knew about Christ, but he had no kind of relationship with him. Uh, the second person we look at this morning is Peter. Peter loved Jesus. Peter would do anything for Jesus. But then when, when Jesus needed Peter the most, when Jesus wanted him with him, Peter, uh, Peter, along with all the other disciples, fled, didn't they? And then Jesus, or Peter goes on to not only fleeing, but denying uh, who Christ is. Uh, however, the outcome for, for Peter and Judas is very different, isn't it? Uh, in the book, C- Prince Caspian, uh, may, probably maybe all of us have read, read this, I don't know, uh, by C.S. Lewis. It's the second book in the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, the, the children are called back to Narnia. Prince Caspian has uh, summoned them through Aslan. And, but the children have been away for a long time from Narnia. And when they get back to Narnia, everything looks different. It's all grown up. Uh, and there are waterways that weren't there before. And they're at a different location from where Prince Caspian is. And so they have to travel to get to Prince Caspian. And so as they're going, they, they come to this, this ravine, this gorge, uh, and they, they can't really figure out how to get, they know they need to get to a certain point, but they can't figure out how to get there. And so Peter has this, he's trying to lead the, the other three children this one direction. Well, Lucy uh, has that night, she has this dream that she sees Aslan. And Aslan is telling her, follow me. She wakes up the other children, and she tells them about her dream. But they don't believe her. They, they don't believe that, that she's seen Aslan. They think, you're, you're just dreaming. And so Lucy decides to stick with the other three children, even though Aslan is calling her. Lucy decides to, to be on the fence instead of all in. She didn't understand why Aslan would want them to follow her, or why Aslan wanted them to follow him uh, along the cliff that didn't seem uh, to lead anywhere. And so they they traveled their own way. Later, it's revealed uh, to them uh, by Aslan that if if they had listened to him, if they had been all in, that he would have led them a safe path uh, to where they needed to go. But instead, the children, they, they held back. They were afraid. And they were afraid because they didn't know where it would lead them. In verse 58, uh, we see that, that Peter was following Jesus. Um, up to this point, Peter had witnessed everything, hadn't he? He, re- he, he witnessed the miracles of Christ. He, he witnessed the divinity of Christ. And the power of Christ, as Christ uh, calmed the storm and walked on water, Peter witnessed Jesus' divine power when Jesus cast out demons. Um, he showed Peter that Jesus is command over even over the demons. Peter witnessed the transfiguration of Christ in Matthew chapter 17. And not only has Peter witnessed all of these things, he's also witnessed Jesus' compassion for the lost, right? Uh, Peter has seen how how Jesus has has interacted with uh, the sinners and how he has um, healed the sick. Peter has witnessed that Christ is the son of the living God. But Peter, as we see here, Peter was walking the fence. He wasn't all in. And we see that, that Peter wanted to follow Christ, right? But he failed miserably. And so today, I want to look at two things. Uh, one is our heart in wanting to follow Christ. The second is our heart in repentance and grace under Christ. So let's, let's look at the passage together. Wanting to follow Christ. We look at verse 58. Uh, it says that, that Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. We see here, you know, all the other disciples, they fled. But we see Peter uh, following Christ. But he's at a distance. Peter wanted to follow Christ until the end. But Peter was not resting in the grace of the Lord. And so what do, what do I mean by that? Uh, he was scared of what it would cost him if he followed Christ to the end. And so what ended up happening, as we see, it led Peter to denying, knowing, even knowing Christ, the very person he loved. Peter did not trust Christ, right? Peter saw Christ. Christ had never let Peter down. But... In some way, Peter thought that if he followed Christ to the end that he would be let down. Peter was lacking in complete trust uh, in the Lord. he was afraid was he not of what Christ was about to happen to Christ would happen to him he wanted to be with Christ, but he wasn't he wasn't all in I think Many times I, I often put myself in Peter's situation here, and I often think, what, what would I have done if I was in Peter's shoes? Um, would, would, I, would I be all in? Would I be willing to really follow Christ? Um, I, I have worried about the cost of following Christ. <clears throat> and many times because of the worry of the cost of following Christ, I, I hold back. What what really drives that fear of, of holding back? Uh, it's, it's not trusting in the Lord. But even more than that, uh, it's the idols in my heart that I cling to that keep me from really following Christ. Um, and, and in holding on to those idols, it's a fear, actually, of losing those idols in my heart that I, I cling to. One of the biggest idols... Uh, that I cling to uh, is my family, <clears throat> and we we uh, prayed earlier in the confession, prayer of confession, about that very thing, um, our family. And so many times, this this idol of my family, uh, I'm so afraid of losing that idol that I begin to cling to it even even more, uh, and then there becomes this this unhealthy balance. In my life as I'm, as I'm clinging uh, to my family. One way that I, I know a good litmus test for me about my idol is when I look at my family, can I imagine um, what it would be like if Christ took them away from me? Would I still cling to Christ? Would I still trust in him? And ultimately, if I'm not willing to let go of my idol then i'm saying that that idol is more to me than christ is when we were approaching our first the end of our first term uh, in bangkok or in thailand we'd been there about four years uh, we knew at this point that we wouldn't be returning to bangkok and so i began doing some scouting in other parts of thailand And one of those places i went to is northern thailand Uh, A few months ago, I shared the story about uh, that sick boy uh, up in the mountains in the north in the Karin village. Uh, It was on the same trip that I'm talking about here. So I was up north uh, visiting the Karin people, and I was in this village that just, it was overlooked this valley. And below me, I mean, I'm standing on the edge of this cliff. And as I stood there, uh, I could see children running around in the village and so on. And as I stood there looking down over this cliff, I knew it was gorgeous, but I thought to myself, there is no way that I'm bringing my family here, that I'm going to move here with my family. What would ever prevent one of my children falling off this cliff and dying? I mean, that was the literal thought in my head. There was so much fear built up in me of this idol of my family that it kept me from following Christ, to being all in. Now, obviously, God had other plans for us in that uh, we ended up in southern Thailand. Um, not any safer than northern Thailand, actually. Uh, but, you know, God, God is sovereign. And so he did. He moved us uh, to southern Thailand. But it doesn't discount what was going on in my heart that day. I was like Peter. I wanted to follow Christ, right? I wanted to follow Christ, but I wasn't all in. And so what, is, what does that look like in your life? What does it look like to, to, to be all in or not be all in? You know, as, as Christians, we do, right? We want to be all in for Christ. And we, we, we think that is where we need to be, and that is true, but we, we hold back, don't we? And so what does that look like? Uh, what are some examples of, of holding back, of, of not being all in? One is, is a simple thing called tithing and money. Are we afraid to let God be Lord over our finances? Or are we holding back and in, in thinking that we can do a better job with our finances than, than trusting in the Lord with our finances? Or perhaps God calls you uh, to do something, but, but you would rather stay comfortable where you are. And this could be called being lukewarm, like the church in Laodicea. Another thing, another example could be time. Uh, Just going to church on Sunday or attending a small group, Bible study, those are good things. um, But it does not mean that you have given your time to the Lord. God wants to dine with you all the time. And so are you willing uh, to sacrifice your time and give it over to the Lord? Another way that we hold back is actually what Christ has commanded us, right, in in making disciples. And and maybe you have tremendous amounts of fear in your heart. If you have tremendous amounts of fear, this could be a sign that, that you are not all in, that you're holding back. If you're not seeing the fruit of the Spirit displayed in your life, it might mean... That you are holding back. If you are willing to live. In ungodly conflict. And not be reconciled. With your brothers and sisters. If you're not allowing the transforming power. Of the gospel. To shape your life. You're you're holding back. You're not resting in the grace of Christ. uh, And and so you're not allowing him. To transform you. These are just some examples. of, Of what it looks like to be holding back and we hold back because we have all these things that we cling to right uh, and it's it's costly it's costly to follow christ but christ's grace is sufficient you know jesus told us that his yoke is easy but his burden is light but it does not mean that following christ does not come at a crop at a cost but it does mean that Christ's grace is sufficient in all things in your life. Many of you may know who Diedrich Bonhoeffer was. He lived during the Nazi regime, and he was German. He did everything in his power to, to bring down um, the, the Nazis. But most of all, he had a a heart for his fellow countrymen. He wanted to see people know Christ and their love for Christ. Bonhoeffer eventually was arrested uh, and sent himself to a concentration camp where he eventually was hanged in the concentration camp. He had a great ministry uh, to loving others. Listen to what Diedrich Bonhoeffer says about grace. Costly grace is the gospel with which must be sought again and again and again. The gift which must be asked for. The door at which a man must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls calls us to follow. And it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life. And it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin. And grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of his son. Ye were bought with a price. And what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. You see, it is costly. And as Peter is following Christ, he's he's not he's not all in. Peter denies Christ three times, and yet we see what the cost of grace is as Christ went and hung on the cross for Peter and for us. This brings us to repentance and grace under Christ. We see Peter denying Christ three times. Each time, Peter progresses deeper and deeper into his sin. I'm reminded here of Psalm 1:1. Which says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Psalm 1 teaches us the progression of sin from walking to standing, from walking in sin to standing to actually seating, uh, sitting in sin. And this is exactly what Peter is doing here. Peter simply starts by, by telling a lie. He then takes an oath lastly he swears and curses himself if he were to know Jesus you know perhaps um, you don't you don't know of a time where you messed up big like Peter um, but maybe you do perhaps for for you uh, you were like Peter with his his first denial his the first sin you know, his was, but let me, let me ask the question. Was Peter's first denial any worse than his, his third denial? I would say no. You know, let's, let's call sin what sin is, right? Sin is any want or conformity or transgression of the law of God. Peter denied knowing Jesus. Plain and simple, he sinned. And I think for us Christians, um, this, this first part, though, is really dangerous uh, because, you know, it, it looks like Peter just did a little sin at first. Uh, you know, he just lied. And many times we think, right, that our our little sins are are less sinful than those big sins, right? And perhaps the outward consequences of these little sins that we commit um, don't seem to be as, as big of a deal, right? But I want you to see that that even if you commit little sins, so to speak, your heart is just as corrupt uh, as the next person. Your heart is just as corrupt as Peter's was. You know, for many of us, it's a who have grown up in the church or, or haven't grown up in the church. Actually, um, it's this is this is hard for us because uh, as as we go to church, as we fellowship with other Christians, um, we think that in some way that. Or even maybe our, our, you know, our kids go to church with us. We we regularly participate in church programs. Um, that because we do all these things, that um, somehow our, our little sins are not as big of a deal as these other people. And what happens for us is that we end up thinking like the Pharisees, uh, who think they are justified by their good works. This is a real, a real thing. This is this is a danger because we end up living blind to the fact that our hearts are wicked and so i'm talking here about the progression of sin right of of, of peter's first denial and then we reread more right in verse 71 uh in verse 71 Peter says, and when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, "This man was with Jesus of Nazareth." And again, he denied it with an oath, "I do not know the man." So now we're we're seeing uh, the progression of sin going deeper, right? Peter says, with an oath, "I do not know the man." Peter, this oath that Peter ta- that scripture is talking about here would be like. Uh, Calling on God's name to guarantee what he's saying is true. So Peter already denied Jesus once. Uh, It's easier for Peter a second time. And I don't know about you, um, but I have done this many times. I I start off with one little sin. And the next time um, I'm tempted, I, I... remember the first sin, but I think to myself, you know, it, it wasn't too bad. Uh, maybe nobody caught me or, or whatever it is. And so I, it's easier the second time uh, to sin. And what we see is this, the beginning of this downward spiral, right? We see our hearts. This is the beginning of, of your heart starting to become calloused uh, as, as you continue uh, to sin more and more and more. Until finally, your heart becomes completely calloused uh, and clogged with the sin that, that which once began as this little thing has spiraled out of control. I'm so thankful, though, that the Holy Spirit, right, Christ conquered sin and death. And so uh, no matter how calloused your heart is, the Lord still speaks to you. And he, he speaks to us through his word, right? But he also convicts us in so using so many different ways to, to show us our sin. And one of the ways that he does that uh, is, is through the church, uh, through one another, through our brothers and sisters in Christ. As we hold one another accountable, as we confess our faults one to another and pray for one another that we may be healed. God did not create his church to be alone. He did not create single-person churches. Right, we are a, we are a body of believers, and so Christ uses one another to to help to put that checks and balance, so to speak, in each other's lives, so that when you you start spiraling out of control, so to speak, right, that you become blind um, to the sin that you have your brothers and sisters speaking into your life, but we see here. In verse 74, that uh, Peter goes even further um, down this path. Look at verse 74. Then he began to invoke a curse upon him. Actually, let me back up to verse 73. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Peter is saying here, If I am lying to you, let God strike me dead. And perhaps you're thinking, you know, Peter lied in all three instances. And that is true, he is lying in all three instances. But what he's doing here is actually denying the very nature of Christ. He is um, everything that Christ has ever claimed. Peter is saying here is not true. Because Peter remains silent in speaking the truth of who Christ is. Here we see not only an outward lie but also an inward of omission. The sin of omission. And so maybe you might be thinking, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite like Peter in that. You know, um, I, I actually don't ever remember that type of thing where I was denying Christ audibly to, to other people. But you know what? You have. Every time we sin, every time we sin, we turn our backs on Christ just as Peter turned his back on Christ. We are saying that we are Lord and not Christ. And when we remain silent from saying the truth, we are, we are no different than Peter. If you look at scripture, we see people, we see some just horrific things, right, that Christians have done uh, throughout scripture. We, we see uh, murder, adultery, adultery, um, Greed, envy, uh, worshipping idols—so many different things. And if I had to categorize um, the levels of sins, uh, in, in fact, there's there's the seven deadly sins categorized, right? If I had to categorize the sins, and I would probably put Peter's sin here on the very top, um, because Peter denied the very nature of Christ uh, in his sin. But then you might think, well, you know, Paul was a pretty wicked man, too, before he became a Christian. He, he murdered Christians. But we might think, well, you know, Paul, we could let him off the hook, so to speak, because he did that before he became a Christian. Um, but you know what? This, this terrible, awful, wretched thing that Peter did, um, we actually are just as terrible and wretched as, as Peter and Paul. Because God... Hates all sin. It does not matter if it's a little sin or it's this great big sin. God hates it all. And why does God hate it? God hates sin because He is holy and He is just. And if God is holy and just and He hates sin and we ourselves are full of sin, then we are in a lot of trouble. Or are we? If we look at verse 75, It says in Peter, so immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. First we see that Peter remembered. We see here the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Peter was reminded of his sin. Christ is showing Peter, his great love for Peter, by reminding Peter of the sin he's just committed. He's reminding Peter of who Christ is. Peter denied earlier in the chapter of what Christ told him. Christ told Peter, you're going to deny me three times. But Peter loved Christ, and he told Christ, I would never leave you, Lord. I'll never forsake you. And I don't know about you, but so many times I've told myself, I've told Christ, Okay, Lord, I've messed up. I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to continue following you. But the, the next time, and, and I tell the Lord, I'm going to continue. I, I'm going to follow you no matter what. And the next time temptation arises, Lord, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to follow you. But you know what? When I, when I say that, it means that I've already failed. I'd already, I mentioned to you earlier about my the idol that I struggle with, about my family. And just because I have repented of this idol of my family does not mean that I will never struggle with this idol again. It does not mean that that I'm never going to sin. You know, Peter was was so naive to think that, you know, Jesus told him that you are going to, you're going to deny me three times, you're going to forsake me. But because Peter loved Jesus, he couldn't imagine what it would be like to deny him, to deny Christ. And so <clears throat> we, don't, we don't like to think, do we, that we are going to fail miserably at times. But it's true. We, our heart is there, right? We, we want to follow Christ. But, but we fail again and again and again. And as long as we are on this side of heaven, we're going to continue to fail. But as we fail, we can celebrate failure. Have you ever heard that? Celebrate failure? And, you know, I don't mean celebrate the sin that you've committed. But we celebrate that there is grace and forgiveness in the cross. And that as we repent, we We must think of the continual grace that is poured out on us continuously. And it doesn't just stop when we confess our sin. That Christ's grace continues on and on in our lives. And it doesn't mean that we give up the fight either. Just because we know that Christ has has forgiven us. I love what what Paul says in in Romans 7, 19 through 25. He says... Paul writes for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it is a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind And he understands what it means to, to walk in grace. Paul is showing us what living in grace is like, and when we, we, see, we see here real conviction happening in Peter's heart. Peter is reminded of his sin. We see at the end of verse um, at the end of the verse, that uh, Peter went out and wept. Bitterly, that he remembered what Christ had told him, that before the cock crows three times, you will deny me. And he goes out and he weeps bitterly. If the story just ended with Peter going out and weeping, this would be a really sad story. You know, as we come to repentance, yes, we are remorseful of our sin, but Christ restores us. And there is a great... Great picture of that in John 21. I know I'm flipping through uh, several passages, but just bear with me. I love, I so love um, that, you know, God knows exactly what we need. And I I absolutely love John 21. This is after the resurrection, and Jesus is meeting with Peter. And he says to Peter, um, John 21, 15 through 19. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. We see the restoration of Peter by Christ. Pe- Jesus shows Peter that all is forgiven. Jesus has shown us that although we have screwed up and we continue to screw up, that all is forgiven. And Jesus shows Peter in John 21 that Peter will be all in. Jesus never tells Peter that you're not going to screw up again. He never tells Peter you're not going to sin. Jesus simply says to Peter, follow me. Peter was about to witness the most horrific thing that he could ever witness. Wasn't he? He was about to witness the crucifixion of Christ. And in the book of John, Jesus tells Peter that Peter too will be killed for following Christ. Following Christ will cost Peter his life. I'm not saying here that you necessarily are going to die for the sake of the gospel, but what I want to ask you is what is your relationship like with Christ this morning? Are you willing? Are you all in? I give this challenge to all of us. Are we all in? We see earlier, we see how, how, you know, Peter, he he wasn't all in. He, He wanted to walk on the fence. He wasn't all in. And our challenge comes to us. Are we all in for Christ? But what, you know, we hear stories of people that are we think that are all in. And, but what is what does it actually mean to be to be all in? What it means to be all in is that you are living out the gospel in your life. That you are living in grace and that you are resting in Christ. And when you fail, you see that you are still in Christ. You continually repent of your sin because Christ has forgiven you. The more and more you begin, the the more and more you live in grace, the more you understand Christ's grace, the more you understand Christ's grace, the more you will see your own sin. And the bigger and bigger Christ becomes in your life. This is being all in, to know Christ, to follow Christ. When you see Christ continually holds you in his hands and will never let you go, You are all in and you will be all in because Christ is always with you. Christ will never forsake you. We saw how Peter was was walking at a distance, right? He wasn't going. he, He wanted to follow Christ, but he wasn't all in because he wasn't really truly trusting in Christ. You know, maybe Peter thought that was afraid that if he followed Christ, it would cost him his life. He wasn't all in. But when we rest in Christ, when we truly trust in Christ, we are all in. And it does not mean that that you're not going to struggle. It doesn't mean that you're not going to sin. Even those, those little sins that you might struggle with daily, Christ is Lord over those little sins. He's not just Lord of those little ones, but the big ones as well. As we Follow Christ as we understand his forgiveness and love in our lives. He is the one who keeps us all in for him. And maybe this morning you're, you're struggling. Maybe you're, you don't know. Um, maybe uh, you, you're thinking to yourself, I have idols in my heart. I know I do. I'm not even sure what those idols are necessarily. And those idols are preventing me, I know, from, from being all in. Well, I ask that you, you ask the Lord to, to show you what those things are. Show, ask the Lord to show you what are those things that, that you cling to that, that keep you from being all in. And as you ask the Lord uh, to show you these things, the Lord in his grace and his love, uh, he will speak to you. And he may not just speak to you from his word, but he may speak to you from one another, from our brothers and sisters here this morning. So I pray that that as we saw Peter here, um, that this is an encouragement to us. Because although we see someone who, who messed up huge, right? He messed up huge. And we all mess up huge. There is still, there is forgiveness and grace in the cross of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... We thank you this morning that that it's because of you that we can be all in, that we don't need to walk the fence, Lord, but that we can just completely trust in you. Um, Lord, it's hard. It's really hard at times. And it's really hard when we're when we're struggling. But God, we just pray for your grace and mercy in our hearts and in our lives. Uh, help us, Father, to to be all in, to love you. And when we screw up, when we fail miserably, may you, may you remind us that we are your child, that you have bought us by your blood. Thank you, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen.